This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, uh, Walter Rigbon, my co-host this morning, again with me as usual, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Really, uh, really great show this, uh, this morning. Just want to let our listeners know we've got a couple of... Uh, uh, f- interesting guest, Mike Shaky Walton, uh, Leaf, uh, Leaf uh, great from the 60s, Toronto Marley great, Boston Bruin, two-time Stanley Cup winner, and uh, current real estate legend in the, uh, in the Toronto area. I'm certainly looking forward to talking to Mike Walton. And we've got Brian Burrard coming on in the middle of the show. Uh, Brian Burrard been in the news this week as part of the Jack Johnson story. Jack Johnson, of course, the defenseman for the Columbus Blue Jackets declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy and certainly uh, an astounding story that we're going to talk to Brian Burrard about uh, uh, in the middle of the hour. At the end of the hour, we'll, uh, we'll be taking calls. We'll be, uh, listeners can call in. We'll be giving those numbers out. And also in the middle of the hour, we'll have our scruples contest. We'll be giving out a $100 gift certificate. So please uh, listen in and we'll be giving those numbers out, uh, giving those numbers out shortly. Uh, Naz, I guess the big story in Toronto this week, um, two big stories actually, but uh, Raptors had a fantastic week, but uh, Leafs dominate as usual the headlines. Uh, sports media in Toronto usually report the story. Uh, this week I think they were the story. Um, front page of the Toronto Sun yesterday, uh, very critical of the Leafs, uh, no grown-ups allowed uh, was the front page of uh, of the of the Toronto Sun and that's of course in reference to what they're calling laughably in my opinion uh, salute gate um, tempest did, in a tempest in a teapot nest when did this start the center ice saluting the fans i to me the only time you do that that sort of thing is when you're at the end of the season or you've you've your final game of the season, and you you're eliminated in the playoffs, or the final game of the regular season, you go out to center and salute the fans. I don't understand why they were doing this in the first place, but I'll tell you one thing: Don Cherry pointed out last night that having done this, the Leaf players did it. So it was uh, I think it was Fanuf and Kessel were involved in this, and uh, what's happened now is they put the pressure on themselves to play well at home. Which is going to turn out to be a good thing, Wally, because if, they're pre- if there is pressure on them to do well at home, they're going to try pretty hard. So well, I think that'll be a good thing for them. I mean, very well, maybe. I mean, the whole uh, the whole media controversy started earlier in the week before the before the Nashville game and before the stick item when Kessel uh, Phil uh, apparently um, refused to talk to the media or was very 
um, very short when he talked with the media after after the Buffalo game. And, of course, the media in Toronto, they get their shorts tied up in knots if players don't talk to them after the game. And, and you know, quite frankly, um, that may or may not be part of, a, of, a, of an NHL player's job description. I, I'm sure it's probably not written in the contract. Uh, I think what their expectations are is they're supposed to make themselves reasonably available to the media, whatever that means. So that, to me, that doesn't mean they have to talk to the media after every single game. And certainly, you know, certainly sometimes after, after an abysmal performance, you don't want to talk to the media. I mean, and, uh, because you might be scared of what you're going to say. But um, They've had a few stinkers this year, though. Uh, the Leafs? Yeah, they've had a few real bad hockey games. Huh? But, you know, and they've had a few bad hockey games, but Ness, they've had some good hockey games, too. Yeah, they have. And, they and have, right have, now yeah. they're 11-8-2. and two. They had two stinkers against Buffalo and Nashville. I mean, it's called a spade a spade. Uh, they had two really good games against Tampa and Detroit, and that's, that's what the Leafs are. The Leafs are an inconsistent team. On any given night, they're capable of beating anybody, on any given night, they're capable of losing anybody. But if, if, if the media is going to go crazy on players uh, for one night not talking to me, quite frankly, I don't think the players have very much interesting to say after a game anyways. I mean, most of them talking cliches. The questions aren't terribly insightful after a game. It's usually, you know, the same pat answers, the same cliches. You know, if, if a player doesn't talk to the media after a game, I'm not overly disturbed about it. I mean, if, if, if a player doesn't talk to the media repeatedly, then you know, I guess I have a problem with that. But an isolated incident, come on. We, we, you know, we're going to go crazy on, on a player for that? Do you find, uh, do you find Phil Kessel uh, an enjoyable player? I kind of like his personality, and I kind of like the way he is. Like, he's very nonchalant and very, you ask him a question, yeah, you know. And, you know, and he Ke- doesn't put himself into situations like Dion does. You know what? The reality is Phil Kessel's being paid a lot of money. And the fans in Toronto expect Phil Kessel to produce on the ice. And last time I checked the top ten in scoring, you know, there. I think he's tied for fourth with Steve Stamkos. I don't know what after last night's game. I don't think Kessel got any points last night. But, um, I mean, he's in the top five in scoring the NHL. Isn't that what you pay him for? Yeah, exactly. Isn't that what the fans want? And this, uh, this saluting uh, fans after, after the game, I mean, I don't see the point of it. I mean, the reality is... Most players, uh, sorry, most fans, as soon as the game's over, they're, they're hightailing their asses out of there as fast as they can. They don't, they're not even looking at the ice anymore. So, you know what? They took a story and they blew it completely out of proportion. Anyways, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We'll certainly talk about uh, Salute Gate or whatever you want to call it uh, later, uh, later on. And uh, we're going to go to break now. We'll be back with Mike Walton. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I got my fill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerati with two toppings each, plus two big Pepsis, the deal is a peach. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Just thirteen ninety nine. that's low. For show, let's, whoa. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Visit pizzaville.ca or call 736-3636.
Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Bond. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 radio. We're pleased to have with us this morning Mike Shakey Walton. Of course, Mike Shakey Walton is uh, well remembered by Toronto Maple Leafs fans, a member of the last Toronto Maple Leaf team to, uh, to win the Stanley Cup, also a Stanley Cup winner with the Boston Bruins. Uh, had a, a good career in the WHA and is now having a fantastic career as a real estate agent and broker in the Toronto area with Remax. Good morning, Mike. Hi, guys. How are you today? I'm not too bad. I'm just recovering from a knee replacement. So it's been about three, four weeks now since I had the operation done, and it's, uh, it's getting better. I went to my uh, – I hadn't been down to see the lease place since I had the operation, uh, so I missed about three, three weekends, three weeks of, uh, of watching them play. But I went last night, and it was uh, – it was great to see them have a good game. Well, Mike, we certainly wish you all the best in your uh, in your recovery, and uh, uh, you're uh, you're a follower of the current Toronto Maple Leafs, and uh, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, with the maelstrom of uh, of media activity this week. Uh, a little bit overdone, Mike. Well, I, I, I people just you know it, it's very difficult, and the biggest thing it's always a question, basically. Uh, Where's the toughest city where the, the play and, uh, and everything else? And uh, it's, there's no doubt that uh, it's not just, you know, the last five years, ten years. I mean, it's been like this way since the beginning of time, really, uh, uh, because uh, there's so many passionate uh, hockey fans. Um, you got to remember, basically, people forget uh, that, uh, you know, there's four million people uh, for 20,000 seats. You know, there's only 20,000 seats that can be sold in that building. It's a little less than that, but it's just rough, roughly 20. And there's 4 million people around who, who are dying to see the games. So uh, in one way, it's a, it's the, 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 very, the, the owners are very, very lucky because they don't have to worry about filling the seats up and they can charge whatever they want, which is great for them. But the, the, 
the players and the management, they have to realize that the fans deserve every good thing that can happen in this city. And, and basically, one of those good things basically is, uh, is, is winning. And they live in, I know so many people that live and die, young and old that live and die by how the Leafs play. And it's a, it's a great thing. And, it, and, the, and the support they've shown is uh, it's just so, so phenomenal, so unbelievable that uh, we, you gotta, you gotta, you got to make sure you're doing the right thing. And with what they did with the salute, I'm glad they did it last night. Uh, it was just a mistake. And they should have just said that. Panucci just kind of come out and said, well, you know, we were a little angry. We had a couple of rough, a rough week, blah, 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 and we're back. And, and, you know, they kept on trying to justify it by not, when they don't, didn't do the salute, that it wasn't a slight to the fans. Well, basically it was, because there's a few things he can do, and one of them is, is to say thanks. And not all the teams do it, but they, once you start something like that to stop it, it was a mistake. I don't know if they're going to do the next game, but they did it last night. And I think that should be it should be over and done with. But the media, on the other hand, has got a job to do. And it doesn't matter. These guys are making a lot of money. They go down there and they cover the game, whether it's radio, print, you know, uh, television, whatever it is. They're just trying to get a story. And naturally, they're all competing. But Montreal is no different. It's even maybe harder there, some say, because of the French-English situation. So you have to give the, these guys, sure, there's some guys that are, you don't ask a, a stupid question, but basically you got to give them respect. And part of the contract you say is not written, but basically the, you know when you come to Toronto, part of your job, part of your contract with the team besides playing hockey is being available to the media because they get so much coverage. Mike, do you, do you think it, a player um, should make himself available to the media after 100%. every single game? Hundred percent, and 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 not just guys that aren't the superstars. This is this is where it's wrong, and it's a tough thing for the management, for Shanahan or whatever, uh, not necessarily the coach, but I think it's the upper brass that has to make it clear. Hey guys, we're selling a product here, even though they don't have a problem selling it. You got to show respect, and they don't want to hear from certain players. Sometimes it should be the front guys. The front guys, Kessel, Benoof, uh, you know, all the guys that are the superstars, basically the core of the team, that's who does the talking. When, the, when Matt Sedin was here, he wouldn't miss an interview. He was up front every game. You think he wanted to talk to the press? No. Think he didn't want to mouth off and say how brutal we're playing, how terrible this guy is that? Sure he did. And I'm a good friend of his. And I, and I know, but he did it because he respected the organization. He respected the crest. He respected the team and his players. He would speak every single night, and it was a tough job. But he knew that was part of his job. Mike, um, what are the differences between 1967 when you started playing for the lease and the current uh, way it is with the, uh, the media? What's changed? Well, it's changed it's just because it's got – is just bigger and there's more coverage now with the Twitter and the internet. This has changed all kinds of social media. Like you can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. You can't say anything. It's it's and it's tough on the kids. It it really is. They gotta they gotta be protected all the time, and, and you gotta they have to have their head up all the time. 
But there, there's, 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 there's people that do that in the organization. There's people that do that kind of stuff in the, in the, in the, in the head office of the league. Uh, they try to expose the kids, especially the young kids coming up, and uh, to the most, you know, the, the desired situations or whatever. And it's not easy. Some guys get it more than others, and some guys don't. And you find themselves in trouble. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just got bigger, and and you know, and it's just, there's just more coverage. And there's more teams. There's 30 teams versus when there were six. And then when I came in in '68, they went to 12. And then you know, then whatever. So it's just got growing and growing and growing. But the coverage has always been there in Toronto. I mean, it used to be a, a hornet's nest in Toronto all the time. And especially when you win, we won the cup the one year, and then the next year we don't make the playoffs. Trust me, it was bad then too, but it just even got bigger and more, more so. Uh, Mike, um, you were um, you had some issues uh, playing in Toronto back yep. in the in the late '60s and early '70s, and certainly the pressure uh, was intense on you. What what was it about that time period, or about Mike Walton in that time, or playing in Toronto that that made it difficult for you? For a well, short I, I period think of time. It basically, it wasn't only me. It happened to it was Carl Brewer. There was uh, Frank Mahovlich. There was Ronnie Ellis. Then Daryl Sittler. Like there were so many guys that came through this organization. Davy Keen had a big fight. He's still fighting with them. But me, it was personal too. And I was it was with was, was Punch Emlek. And he, you know, whatever everybody thinks of Punch Emlek, and I don't want to disrespect anybody, but at the end, he was he was he was a brutal coach. Things were changing. He had guys that he had Johnny Bauer, George Armstrong, all these guys, Bobby Bond, that that they were just these guys, you know, were uh, they just they they didn't really treat them very well, and it was only six teams. It used to be a threatening all the time, and Punch Emlek was young players starting to come in with Toronto when I broke in, and he wasn't a young players coach. He was a bully. He was just a. He was just you know he had the control. Of, 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 of so it was so powerful because he used to threaten players all the time. Johnny Bauer won the won the cup in '67 and he was trying to get a thousand dollar raise and he says, "Hey, buddy, get out of the office. You you know you you're lucky to be playing here next year. You know because they had the power back then. So it was a different structure and they got more and more. It was you know and I'm like was against the players' association which I was I was part of where he kicked me and Pulford off the ice and tried to bully the other guys into not signing an agreement with the then guy was Alan Eagleson. You know, he tried to impose his power to the wrong things. And eventually, he went to Buffalo, he won nothing. He came back to Toronto, won nothing. He was out of, his time was long past because he couldn't bully people. And there was only six teams, and he can tell people, you know, threaten them and everything else. So that was an issue, and that with me, I just, uh, you know, basically uh, five other teams wanted me to play, and they, he, I, I'd be here and, uh, and not, uh, he wouldn't play me. So I said, just trade me. So I finally came down to uh, going to uh, Mr. Campbell, and he gave, gave him 28, 48, 72 hours to trade me. But that was back unheard of in those days. But, I mean, it happened. I mean, that's Frank Mahavich, one of the greatest leagues of all time. What's he think? Well, he, he said my best time was in Montreal. You know, that's a, you know, it's sort of an insult to Toronto. That's uh, my, how badly they treated Frank, let alone Mike Walton. Mike. So there's a lot of things that, uh, that happen here people don't realize, you know, and um, you, you got to do what you got to do. Mike, I want to, um, we're on Zoomer Radio here, and I always like to talk about junior hockey, and my, my first memory of you, quite frankly, is, 
is in your junior days in Toronto yeah. with the St. Mike's Majors, with yep. the Neil McNeil Maroons, the great Sunday afternoon doubleheaders, and of course, what I always considered to be, uh, if not the greatest junior A hockey team of all time, certainly in the top five, the 1964 Toronto Marlies. That was that was an exceptional team. That was an unbelievable team, and you know, because there's so much hockey and so much coverage and so little time to, uh, it sometimes gets overlooked how great that team was. Uh, yes, Jim Gregory, who was our guy, GM, the coach there, and uh, and uh, the, we, the team was phenomenal. And uh, that back in those days, the East played the West for Memorial Cup, and it was and every, uh, West always had that that figure they were uh, always better than us, but we just we we blew them out basically. And uh, that team was 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 had a, a great combination of, of goaltending, Gary Smith, and defense and forwards. And it was it was a super team. It was it was quite a team because what happened basically. I remember the St. Michael's program, which was probably one of the best that there ever was for bringing kids from up north or whatever, and having them going to school at St. Mike's and living there and and playing for St. Mike's. And then the Brazilian fathers uh, stopped it, which was sad. And they tried to get it back, but it never really came back with the buzzers and all that kind of stuff. But that was a great organization, a great thing for kids, a great thing for parents. And then basically we went with Neil McNeil to try to, tr- to keep that tradition, but it just didn't work out. And then what happened is that Neil McNeil team uh, merged the St. Mike's team, which was Neil McNeil, and merged with the Marlies. And they had two great organizations, the St. Mike's and the, and the Marlboros. And you got to remember, Marlboros were the, sort of like the, the little brothers of the the Leafs, they had the same equipment. They got the they got the gloves. They got the the uh, the pants. They got the skates. They got the sticks, and they are all suited up. They just look like you know the little brothers of the Maple Leafs, and then we were sort of the outside guys. Uh, uh, the Catholics, a mix on one side. It was funny, but we merged those two teams, and it was it was it was awesome. Mike, certainly some great days. Some of those guys on those teams: Stemkowski, Ellis, McKenney, who was considered yeah. one-two with Bobby Orr as the yeah. top junior hockey defenseman in the world. Carlton, Sealing, certainly some great times and some great memories. We're talking to Mike Walton, uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf uh, and former Boston Bruin and WHA player. Mike, we've just got a couple of minutes left, and no uh, we certainly want to talk about. Uh, your days in the WHA. Uh, you were, yeah, in fact, this, you were, in fact, <laughs> were the scoring champion uh, yeah, in the well, WHA yeah, well, with the minutes. Seventy-three, four. I guess I was the scoring. One hundred seventeen points. It was. It was. Uh, uh, you know, you look back and you know, you try not to you know to go back, but you do. And uh, sometimes you know, I, I was uh, I was in Boston then, and uh, and Harry uh, Sinden had offered me a, a big contract too to stay, and. Uh, and it was just things were changing, and I thought, well, you know what? They offered me a bunch of money, which was maybe the wrong thing to do, but end up going there, but only lasting two and a half uh, years. And it was it was totally different. But I mean, it was in the end, it was uh, the bottom line. It was great for hockey players. It really opened up uh, a lot of these guys, like the late Harold Ballard, lost so many young guys, young defensemen, especially to to leave the lease, which was an injustice again for the Maple Leaf fans. Because Harold wouldn't didn't want to recognize the fact and didn't believe that they would ever make it or the players would leave and all these young guys, kids and and that was the start of the downfall really of, of the Leaf team. Like even Keon left and uh, played several years longer and because he, you know the, the, the way he was treated was as I say it goes, still goes on to state but it was a different league but it ended up being a good league for a lot of the players and the. Pre- players in the NHL because everybody ended up getting more money. 
Mike, there was an incident in your WHA days. I have to ask you this uh, because uh, I remember this. Gordy Machine Gun Gallant and Harry Neal yeah, got into the fisticuffs. The... Oh, was it? Can yeah, you describe he, it? Gordy was uh, he was a good guy, and uh, and but he was a, he was a tough guy, and he was a fighter, and he was just this and that. And Harry was always good to him. And of course, like every player, they want to play more. They want to do this, want to do that. And I used to talk to Gordy and just say, Gordy, just relax, relax. You're playing good, blah blah blah, and everything. And he did his job on the ice because in those days the fighting was just unbelievable. It was like just a bare knuckle uh, old time fight. So it was just it was incredible some of the fight stories. But the the, the one incident uh, uh, he uh, we had the morning meeting and he the night before it happened and he came uh, the Harry came into the room. And I, I swear to God, uh, uh, you know, I've seen fights live. I've seen great fights, and uh, and I know I you could not recognize the man. And it was lucky that that Harry didn't charge him because he would have went to jail for sure. And uh, it was it was lucky that there was uh, uh, an assistant coach uh, that was in the next room that came in and and, um, and got uh, got Harry uh, the guy uh, gone off off Harry. It was and since that Harry's ta- Harry has told me that he's talked to him. Um, 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 you know, uh, you know, over the years, and everything's fine. But it was a terrible incident. Terrible. Mike, we've only got uh, one minute left, and uh, I have to ask you really quickly. Please tell our uh, listeners what uh, what you're up to in the real estate game these days, and uh, how that career is going for you. Well, I'm a broker with Raymax Professionals, and we are office. We just moved office. We're on Dundas and Bruno Plaza now, which is right at Royal York and Dundas. And it's, I've been with them not over 10 years, and it's been a great relationship. Uh, the great people, the Alexander, uh, the, the, uh, John and Pam, the owners of the, of the franchise, and uh, the agents there. It's a really a good uh, operation to be involved in. I, I've been doing it for a long time. I've been doing it since 1980. I've been in the business of re, uh, uh, real estate. I'm a broker there. I buy and sell, and I do some development now myself where I, I buy a house, renovate it, or knock it down and fix it up. So a combination of doing the sales and the buying and selling for people and uh, also, as I say, doing my own little projects too. So I, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I like it, and uh, it's been good to me. Mike, thank- I wish the lease were as hot as this market. <laughs> they, they will be. Anyways, Mike, thanks so much for coming on. We, uh, thanks, we'd love to spend a lot more time with you, and no hopefully problem. we can do it again. No problem. Thank you very much. Thanks, have a, Mike. Have a great day. That was Bye-bye. Mike Mike uh, Walton, uh, obviously Toronto Maple Leafs Stanley Cup winner, Boston Bruins Stanley Cup winner. Some interesting stories, Naz. Um, anyways, we would like to do as uh, it's time for our scruples contest. Give us a call. Second caller in wins a gift card, hundred dollar gift card. At Scruples Salon and Spa, you want to score some points with that special someone, uh, email them a gift card. Uh, you can check them out. Gift cards can be purchased online, but we're giving one away today. www.scruplesalon.com. Give us a call at 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740, dollars gift certificate at Scruples Salon to the second caller. And before we go to uh, Brian Berard, I just want to announce uh, what we usually do on the show. The Naz and Wally Show supports the Foundation Fighting Blindness. It's a fantastic organization that's doing some fantastic work restoring sight to hundreds of thousands of Canadians. Naz, that was certainly an interesting uh, interesting discussion with Mike Walton. Yeah, the punch him like... Uh 
discussion was fascinating. I, I could have listened to that for, for hours and hours. Shaky has a lot to say, and uh, he would be an interesting guest for a long period of time. He is... Uh, well, I just find that the, the, the players from, from those days, from the 60s and 70s and 80s, they've got some fascinating stories to tell. And it's just, it's just fascinating sitting here listening to, to, uh, to, uh, to their stories. It's uh, re- really a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. And they described Mahavlich. And, and he made uh, some good points. He, you know what? I, I respect his opinions on, on the media and how they're doing their job. I mean, I'm, of, I'm obviously strong opinion. Sometimes the media is over the top. But uh, Mike Walton made his point very well and uh, made his point very well about the responsibility of the players and, uh, and uh, the responsibility of the media. So the, the, his points were well taken. For sure. Anyways, we have, uh, we have Brian Burrard. Uh, with us this morning talking about a topic uh, that was an astounding, uh, uh, an astounding thing that happened this week. Uh, Jack Johnson, defenseman for the um, Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the States, which was astounding in the circumstances of how it happened, um, was found with uh, $50,000 in assets and $15 million in debts. And this is a gentleman that's earned probably $20 million in his career, uh, circumstances where his parents uh, obviously didn't provide him with the best of guidance and the best of conduct, and um, certainly something worth uh, worth discussing with Brian Burrard, who's been in the forefront of that. He's a financial advisor with Whale Rock Point Partners, uh, director of sports and entertainment group for this financial services firm, and provides advice to athletes on their financial matters and also is been involved with the NHL at their orientations to try and tell young players about the pitfalls and perils that are out there and people who are trying to separate them from their money. Brian, good morning. Do we have Brian on the line? Yes, sir. Good morning. Hey, good morning, good morning, Brian. morning, Brian. How are you this morning? Not too bad yourself. Good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Jack Johnson's story... Um, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with it because you're um, you you provide advice to young hockey players both uh, both through the NHL and both through your uh, through your work. Tell us a little bit about um, uh, what you're doing these days with Whale Rock Point Partners and being the director of the sports and entertainment group and the type of services that you're providing to athletes. Of course, um, and definitely. I mean, as far as the advice, guys. I, I'm one thing I do is I'm just trying to put guys. Uh, especially young players with with the with finance group like that that I am working with now is a whale rocket. I don't really give you know I'm not giving financial advice because I'm not qualified to do that, but I'm putting them together with the right guys. And the guys at Whale Rock, they're Harvard educated, they're hockey players as well, and, and that's the type of you know that, that I guess players today and and in the financial services what guys need. They need they need to obviously I got. Uh, same situation. I got got caught up with a with a financial advisor at early uh, at a young age that I trusted, and uh, you know made some mistakes early. So I'm just trying to live from my experience and try to help these guys and and put guys in the right right spots. And, and Brian, that's, you know that's my goal today. Yeah, uh, Brian, I I don't know what you're at liberty to discuss because there's ongoing litigation in in various forums, uh, both with respect to. Uh, with respect to you, and I, I believe there's criminal proceedings going on with perhaps some of the people who you were involved with in the past. And I know that um, in our in our off the air discussion, you're uh, you want to be very careful about how you talk about these things. But what are you at liberty to discuss 
about uh, what what occurred to you and and what's going what's ongoing in those investigations. Yeah, the story the story that I'm basically going around telling guys and trying to help them out is that you know at 17 I was you know a young young player you know I guess kind of ranked to be drafted high and and uh, there, there's people out there that kind of try to you know, lure you in at a young age, and, and that's what happened to myself. I, I, a former financial advisor, we met at 17, 18 years old before I was drafted, and, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, befriended me, and, and uh, you know, I trusted him. And uh, at the end of the day, I should have, I should have, uh, I guess, kind of educated myself early on and, and paid more attention to where my money was, was going. And uh, it definitely was, a you know, a, I guess, a, a learning experience. But it's tough. I mean, a lot of guys... Unfortunately, even like Jack Johnson, you have family members, you have friends that, you know, when it comes to money, you just don't know who to trust. And, and um, that's basically what happened to myself and my former financial advisor is is sitting in prison um, and hasn't gone to trial yet. But he's, he's uh, you know, he's sitting on Queens Maximum uh, Facility Federal Prison. And um, you know, he probably, I would say between, you know, 20 to 25 NHL players, he, he defrauded. So... There's guys out there that uh, I guess don't have your best interest in hand. Brian, uh, you know, like, I see my kids at 18 years old or 17 years old when they were that age, and I can't fathom them handling it themselves, their financial matters. Um, I, I, this is a great thing that you're doing because I, I, I put it in perspective of what our kids go through. I'm just wondering how do you – how the parents are they involved heavily with the, the the players at that young age? I think they have to be. I mean, my parents my parents were involved, but when I look back, I mean, my dad, you know, blue collar family. Um, so we, you know, we didn't understand about investing money or or you know finances at all. Um, so it's not their fault in any way. But we just kind of, you know, obviously you have to trust somebody, and which and and which I go around and tell young players now. Is that you know? I just didn't, to my own fault. I just didn't pay attention, so I didn't you know educate myself. I didn't you know learn where my money was, where it was going. I was just I was out having fun playing hockey, and you know all of a sudden these checks come that are that are good size, and you're having fun, and and uh, you know and, and you're playing a sport you love. But at the end of the day, you know it's a, it's a job, it's business, and you, and you need to learn uh, good spending habits and and where your money is and how to how to read a statement and. Um, you know what to invest in, and, and that's that's the biggest thing now. As I go around and tell young players, and and, and your career is short. I mean, for um, you know my career, obviously, definitely could have been shorter than it was. And at you know twenty, was it twenty two, twenty three? I had the career, basic career ending eye injury. It could have been, you know, lucky enough I was able to come back and play. But you just don't know. So when you're making the money, you need to just be smart with it, learn good spending habits, and, and learn how to invest. Uh, Brian, you're uh, obviously um, uh, from a hockey background, and that's, uh, I'm sure, where you have a lot of contacts and, and everything else. And you've, you've been asked by the NHL to come into some orientation camps and, and talk to young players uh, uh, in terms of things to look out for. And uh, do you feel the NHL is doing enough to protect uh, its young players? And what, what message are you when you go to these orientation discussions, what message are you giving to these young players? Yeah. Well, it's been two two years now um, that they've they've started their program, and it's great. I've, I've spoke uh, two years now in a row. Um, you know, they bring in 
probably anywhere from 80 to 100 uh, young NHL players or have the potential to play in the NHL, either guys that have played a year, two years, or guys that are close to, you know, to, to playing. Um, it's a great program. They go, you know, they bring in ex-players that have kind of been through the experiences of anything from, you know, drugs, alcohol to finance, and it's it's just a great program that the NHL and the NHLPA now are working together to to kind of just educate the, the players. And I think that's all you can really ask for. To be honest, I wish I would have had, you know. Myself at eighteen, nineteen, wish I would have heard some stories where maybe I would have, or maybe I wouldn't have, but maybe I would have paid attention a little bit more. And I think that's the, the big thing. And you can tell the, the, the young kids um, when you bring in ex-players, they, they kind of perk up a little bit and they pay attention to guys that have gone through experiences. And, and I think it's an important, um, it's, a, it's an important orientation program they have. And it's, I, I, you know, and I think it's working pretty well. Brian, we uh, I posted uh, that we were having you on the show, and the reaction from Leaf fans was tremendous uh, for you. Your stay in Toronto and your uh, career in Toronto. Please describe it to us. Um, for me, it was it was awesome. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it. I mean, I went from a young Islanders, uh, New York Islanders team that I guess didn't win. Oh, well, not I guess I know we didn't we didn't win too much. But it, for me, the Islanders that you know I broke in with a lot of young players. And then getting trade kind of getting traded, uh, I guess midseason. Um, and obviously, I am American, but but being a hockey guy, I knew what what Toronto, you know, playing for the Leafs and putting on a Leafs sweater was. Um, you know, shutting down the Leafs Gardens was was awesome. Open up the Air Canada Center, and then we had we had a team that that had a run at it as well. So for me, it was probably my most memorable playing in the NHL. Probably one of you know my favorite city. Uh, playing so and the, and the fans. I mean, once I got hurt, not even when I got hurt, but just the fans are great. And then obviously the support. Um, once I did uh, get hurt with the eye, uh, it, was, it was tremendous. It was. It was uh, it's a great city still. I love to go back and visit. It, it is the hockey town. Um, that's the best I can you know, describe it. Brian, I have to ask you, being personally sensitive to uh, to eye injuries. Um, um, I read a little bit about what happened to you, and I, I believe you had uh, multiple surgeries, and they had to go in and reattach your retina uh, a few times, and uh, the surgeries restored your vision, I believe, to 2,400 or 2,300. Was it your left eye or your right eye? That's my right eye. Okay. Yeah, completely, completely blind, completely blind in the right eye. Uh, and so how's, how does that affect your... Uh, how does that affect your daily living today? What's what, what's the what ended up happening to Brian Burrard in terms of his vision? Uh, well, I'm completely blind in the right eye. Never, never, okay. uh, never able to regain sight. Um, the doctors did a tremendous job, so I was able to to, to keep my right eye um, in Ottawa. They did a, they did a great job, but I did go through probably about seven eight surgeries to try to. Um, get as much vision as I could back on the right eye, and it just it it, it, uh, it was just too much damage. But you just learn. I mean, it, uh, the body does some amazing things, so you just kind of adapt, and you know, no depth perception, things like that. But you just kind of you kind of move forward, and you know, it's been was it been now 14 years, so it's just you know, just deal with it. There's, there's not much I can do about it, and, and it was an accident, it happened, and uh, you just move on. I want to go back uh, just uh, very very briefly to. Um uh, your role in uh, uh, referring uh, young athletes to to getting proper advice, uh, um, and uh, came across an article in Sports Illustrated, and I found I found the the statistics staggering, and um, in terms of what happens to uh, NBA players and, and NFL players, according to a Sports Illustrated article, 
60%, of NBA players are broke within five years of their end of their career. 78% of NFL players have some level of financial stress within two years of their retirement. Uh, I, I just find those astounding numbers. Are you surprised by them? I, I, I am. And it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's, it's actually heartbreaking to me because I've been through it. Um, you know, when, when I retired, I, I thought I built myself a nice nest egg, um, and then it was gone. So it's, it's some of these guys, they just, you know, again, you just, um, it, it's, it's kind of mind blowing, but it's, it, it can happen and it can happen quick. I mean, and, and, uh, that's the biggest thing is just, you know, we're out there, you know, you, I don't want to say it, it's just a tough situation overall. And, and that's the biggest thing. And, and again, it's, it's about what I'm out there is kind of getting the word out there to try to help these young players in, in any sport, to be honest with you, just try to try to learn where, where your money is, where your money's going, and, and create good spending habits at a, at a young age, and, and, and try to understand um, where your money is and where it's going, and, and that's the biggest thing. Brian, we talked to Mike Walton earlier, and uh, we talked about the pressures of playing in Toronto and the uh, media in Toronto. How did you find the media in Toronto? It's, um, I mean, especially for hockey. I mean, it's you know, it's <laughs> they're there, so you, you need to. Um, it's, it's part of the sport, so you need to deal with them. You need to, to be respectful. Um, but it's, I mean, I, I can see where some guys just can't handle it and some guys can't. And that was the biggest thing when I went there. I just, it, was, it was kind of a thing that where I said, you know, you need to, you need to talk to them when, when they're ready to speak. you got to be respectful, and, and um, that's part of the game. So you just can't, you, you know, you got to be thick-skinned, that's for sure. Uh, we've been talking to Brian Berard. Brian, certainly thank you for joining us on this Sunday morning on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour and giving us your insight obviously, into a very, very important topic, which is, uh, you know, young athletes or not even young athletes, athletes of any age or description who fall victim and prey to, uh, to people who are looking to separate them from their money. And hopefully uh, with your initiatives and uh, your talks and your, uh, your, uh, your work with the, with the company you work for, uh, hopefully we'll be getting athletes into the uh, – into the hands of the right people. So continue your good work, Brian. Continue to spread the message, and hopefully these heartbreaking stories we read about Jack Johnson, uh, we, uh, we won't read as many of them in the future. Thanks for taking the time to speak to us this morning. Oh, that's my goal. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Thanks Brian. That was Brian Berard, um, obviously talking to us about some very important topics. We'll be uh, going to break now, and uh, when we come back from break, we're going to open up the mics. If you want to call in, Call us at 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Give us a call. You want to talk about the Leafs, you want to talk about the Raptors or any other sport, please give us a call. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when my wife accused me of having an affair. How could I tell her that I was hopelessly in love with extra thin crust pizza from Pizzaville? I didn't ask for this to happen. It was so thin, so delicate, so delicious. I can't bear to share it with my wife. She wants me to see a counsellor, but I don't want to share it with him either. Call Pizzaville for an extra thin crust pizza at 736-3636. 
At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour live on AM740 Radio. Uh, we're going to open up the, uh, the, the uh, telephone lines. We'll take a few calls. Give us a call at 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740. Please give us a call. Uh, Naz, we have a winner for somebody who's going to make their special someone happy with a $100 gift certificate from Scruple Salon and Spa and Veda Lifestyle Spa, www.scruplesalon.com. Who's the lucky winner? George Timoriski of Oakville. George Timoriski of Oakville. George, thanks so much uh, for calling in, and uh, we'll be in touch with you to make arrangements to get that gift certificate in your hand so you can obviously make somebody happy. Uh, thanks again for calling in. Uh, you're listening to the Nazanwali Sports Hour. Um, talk to... Quite a bit about the Leafs this morning. There's a team in Toronto that's uh, on a little bit of a run. They're doing fantastic. We would be remiss if we don't talk about them. The Toronto Raptors had a, a great couple of games against the Milwaukee Bucks. In fact, in that game, at one point in the game, they were up by 52 points. And uh, that's the largest lead of any Raptors team in team history. They go into... Cleveland last night, and they take on LeBron James, and they come away the winner. Uh, certainly a, a great week for the Raptors, and uh, 
A great game by Lou Williams last night. Naz uh, Raptors, uh, we've talked about them a bit. What's uh, ultimately the success of this team going to be? Well, it's their depth, it looks like. They've got players coming off the bench that are as good as the guys that are starting. So it looks to me like they can put uh, any combination of players on there and then be very successful. They've done a terrific job uh, recruiting for this season, and uh, they're going to go pretty far, I think. Uh, we were talking about this uh, prior to going on the air with our we have a we have a young gentleman that works in studio with us on Sunday mornings. He's uh, apprenticing or interning with the Nazawali Sports Hour and uh, came up with some interesting comments. We thought our listeners should uh, hear 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 about them from uh, Josh Cooper, our whiz kid. Uh, Josh, you were talking about the Raptors and what the strength of the team was, and I found your uh, your analysis pretty on point. What's uh, what's the strength of this team? Uh, the backcourt and the depth they have in the backcourt. They really have four guards who can score at well. They can score on anyone. They have Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Terrence Ross. And as we saw last night, Lou Williams can can really score. And it's it's definitely a huge advantage to have where you have four guys who at any time can put the ball in the basket. It's really, really good. Lou Williams, what's the, uh, what's the strength of his game? 36 points seemed to come out of nowhere last night. Uh, what, uh, what, what has Lou Williams done in the past, and what can we expect from him uh, the rest of the season from the Raptors? This 36 points last night seems to have come out of nowhere. What, uh, tell us a little bit about Lou Williams. Well, yeah, Lou Williams for his whole career has always been a guy who can come off the bench and provide a pretty good spark. He's done it for Atlanta in the past, and... Uh, for a guy that size, you know, close to six feet, he has a, a talent that's very hard to teach where he can he can score on anyone. He can get his own shot. So it's it's an unbelievable asset to have a player like Lou Williams coming off the bench, especially if he can score 30 points on a night. It's, uh, it's a huge advantage for the Raptors to have. Yeah, he was hitting threes all night last night. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that guy. But, you know, Leo Rollins had mentioned him in, uh, in the preseason season. Uh, Prior to the season, we had Leo on about three weeks ago, and he mentioned Lou Williams as the uh, big, uh, big guy coming out of Atlanta. And, and, and Dominique Wilkins told him that he is a player, yeah. and Leo's been right about this. Got to tell you, uh, I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, I know you're not surprised, Nas, because you, you, you've, uh, you've consistently said you think this Raptors team is going, uh, it's going to go pretty deep this year. They're 11 and two now. Certainly couldn't have asked for a better start. Um, um, what's your projection in terms of wins? Oh, I said they'd win 55 games this year. I think they'll be about 55. But, you know, I saw Cleveland play last night. LeBron doesn't look right. That team does not look right. And uh, I see a coaching change pretty quickly there. Anyways, give us a call, 416-360-0740, Four zero, um, Raptors really haven't. Um, in terms of, have they taken on the league's elite yet? Um, well, they've taken on Chicago, who's a, who I feel is an elite team. Um, they've taken on Memphis, but Memphis uh, had some injuries when they played them, played the Raptors. But they'll do fine on the West. They'll 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 play well against San Antonio and uh, teams like that. Also, they're in good shape. The Raptors look really good, and they looked. Uh, uh, the general manager or president, uh, Ujiri, has done a fantastic job with that team. I mean, they are pretty good. They're really remar- really remarkable turnaround from where they were at the start of last season. You've uh, you projecting Ujiri? You're you're so uh, 
you're so uh, enamored with uh, with his performance. You think he should be taking a step up, Nas? Yeah, I think uh, he should be taken into consideration as president of MLSC. I mean, what what does he have to do? He's a very well organized person. Uh, understands the basketball side of it. He's been involved. Uh, not with hockey directly, but he's been at the offices of MLSE, and he's a bright individual. I think he would do well with the soccer team too. Uh, I mean, he's well-rounded. I, I have, I would have no problem him being president of MLSE. Josh, uh, you're our whiz kid. Projection for the Raptors. Uh, I definitely think they'll make it at least to the second round of the playoffs. Uh, I think if they run into Chicago, I really don't think that's a good matchup for them. The Raptors are still a little weak inside. Valanciunas is developing, but when you run into a team like Chicago who has Gasol and Noah and Taj Gibson, it might, it might cause the Raptors a little bit of trouble in the playoffs. But I definitely think what Nas said is realistic, 50 to 55 wins, and hopefully we can get to the conference finals. And That would be a pretty impressive season for the Raptors, I think. I think they're in good shape. We've got a couple of guests in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to have... Uh our former captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Daryl Sittler, on the show next week, next Sunday, between 9 and 10. And the following week, December 7th, legend, Dick Irvin. Dick Irvin. Will be on our show, too. Uh, that, that certainly should be pretty fascinating. Certainly looking forward to talking to Daryl Sittler uh, uh, next week. Um, Naz, have you uh, Toronto Maple Leafs? Have you uh, Tampa, Detroit? Uh, everybody seems to be back on the bandwagon. It's Carlisle's job safe for now? Yeah, it's safe until next year, I, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, why not? I mean, he hasn't done a poor job this year, and I was very critical. I've been critical of Carlisle for a long time. He hasn't really done a poor job this year. I think they've played as probably as good as they can expect. Now they did have the the, the two blowouts for sure, but uh, you know what? They haven't played bad. Now. Uh, Having Daryl Sittler coming on the show next week is uh, is tremendous. Like he's ranked, to, in my view, the top captain ever on the Leafs. That's what I feel about Daryl Sittler. Well, His leadership was is tremendous. Well, he had a tremendous career in Toronto. I mean, uh, drafted out of the London uh, London Knights um, in in a pretty good draft class, uh, as I recall, and uh, Canada Cup, uh, ten point night. Uh, Certainly, will never be broken. I don't think uh, it's pretty tough in today's NHL to to, to get a ten point night. Um, really, nobody. There, you won't find anyone who's got a bad word to say about Daryl Sittler. Carried himself. He was uh, Daryl Sittler was effectively the Toronto Maple Leaf version of Jean Beliveau. He just he just carried himself with class. Um, you know, th- throughout his whole career, nobody nobody really has anything bad to say about. You. How, how can you? He's just he was a leader. He put his heart and soul on the ice every single time, uh, strapped the team to his back a few times when he had to, and unfortunately um, had to leave the Leafs uh, uh, at the end of his career because, um, you know, they decided to bring Punch Imlach back. Uh, yeah, Punch and that uh, reappears did, again, eh? Mike right? Walton was talking the, about you know, him. They, and... they brought Punch Imlach back, and, you know, that didn't go, that didn't go very well. Uh, and you know they traded Lanny McDonald, which was a shot at Daryl Sittler, and uh, Daryl ended up going to Philadelphia, I believe. He was traded to Philadelphia, and uh, ultimately, did he finish his career in Detroit? I believe he finished his career in Detroit, but yeah. he, he was a Toronto Maple Leaf. He was always a Toronto Maple Leaf, and it's funny, you know, punch him like uh, Mike Walton talked about punch him like, and then uh, Sittler had his moments with him too. 
And Silly was involved. You know, Mike Mike, Mike Walton brought up the, the point they lost a lot of young defensemen to the WHA. That's when Daryl Sittler was coming into the lease. So I'd like to talk to him about that because they were pretty close. I remember them playing the Rangers in that uh, infamous Bernie Perrant mask throwing into the crowd at Madison Square Garden. And Daryl Sittler was on that team. So he would have... Uh, he would have been able. He would be able to talk about that. That would be an interesting discussion about how good the Leafs were then, because they were pretty close. I remember them going six games against the Rangers, and the Leafs almost beat the Rangers that year. You know, going, going. You know, it, it was interesting. We talked to Mike Walton. And we talked about the 1964 Toronto Marley team, and there were there were there were some really really good players on that team that ended up having really good careers on some other NHL teams, and. Um, you know, that should have been the core of a Toronto Maple Leaf team for 10 years after that. And then Imlac just split them all up. Yeah. And um, it, it's it's interesting to what could have happened. Anyways, we're really looking forward to talking to Daryl Sittler next Sunday. Our time has come short. You've been listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Have a fantastic week. We'll be back here again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.